0: The CEO's job, as uh, one of our advisors always says, all they have to do all day long is say the same thing to everybody. Like That's what you want the CEO to do because so much information comes into your managers every day. If you're not repeating the same stuff over and over and over again, people are going to be lost.
1: Welcome to Forward Looking Business, the show where ambitious and successful CEOs share their capital allocation strategies which have enabled them to maximize the potential of their companies with your hosts, CEO and founder Kevin Griffith and CMO Nick Lipitsky. All right, welcome to episode three of the Forward Looking Business podcast. This is Nick Lipetsky with Amplify Capital, and Kevin Griffith, CEO of Amplify Capital. We are here to talk about forward-looking business. This is stories of transformation, stories of how to understand how to run a business using proper capital allocation. We love talking about business. Today, we're going to continue a conversation that we had from the last episode, which talked about transformation. We use the example of Tom Murphy, uh, the CEO of Capital Cities, which started as a bankrupt broadcaster in Albany, New York, and ended up exiting in a sale to Disney for $19 billion. That is a business that went through transition. Tom Murphy is our personal business transformation hero. He is the personified CEO (laughs) of... (laughs) or the personified premier capital allocator, we'll call it that. So I think, I think Warren Buffett might have something to say. Warren Buffett, yeah, Warren Buffett said a lot of great things. Don't listen to me. Listen to Warren Buffett. Um, <laughs> the last episode, we talked about this end state uh, that Charlie Munger calls a seamless web of deserved trust. You know you're doing a good job uh, as a CEO when you've acquired this. Now, I do know that uh, what Tom Murphy talked about or at least taught Buffett and Amonger was that A, to hire the very best people. And then number two, don't delegate this job of capital allocation. And when you're doing this, then you are at that end state and you should have that trust in your organization so that you aren't going to get stuck running your business that you can focus on uh, acquiring or obtaining that uh, larger vision that you have. Uh, such as selling to Disney for 19 billion dollars. So hopefully that's everybody's goal. So today we want to talk more about what it means to have this deserved trust in your organization and a seamless web of it. There's a certain state that we talk about in a process when um, when we look at businesses. You know, just a reminder that you know we typically talk about and and are, are looking at businesses that are in the lower middle market, right? We you know when we discuss business. We're not talking as much about startups. That's a whole different animal. And we're not talking about large enterprise. What we want to do is help people understand that they are probably in maybe one of four different places in their business. They're either trying to organize their business, which is really trying to understand how their business operates, what are the important activities, uh, what is creating a cohesive leadership team, Uh, Does everybody understand the strategic uh, direction? And then there's the clarity phase, which is a phase above this, where once you've got your business organized, now you're clarifying your business and you have a very clear roadmap and your entire team understands that roadmap and everybody understands their role, which is the key distinction here is that everybody has... uh, very clear direction on what they are doing to contribute to growing this business. And usually that means having a very crystal clear understanding of that competitive advantage of the business. After that, we're, we usually talk about a third stage, which is the ability to execute. And this requires discipline. This means that the team, the organization is accountable They understand what they need to accomplish. They know what their goals are. They're able to look back on the last year and say, this is what I said I was going to do. This is what I did. And then in that same moment, they should be able to describe what the next year looks like. That's discipline. That's when your organization is is in a true uh, state of execution. Once you have that, we believe that now you're in a state where you've simplified your business to the point where you've uh, transformed your role as CEO to one that has this seamless web of deserved trust. So those are the key components that we we see. You'll, you'll hear us talk about that, and we'll get into that more uh, today and in the future episodes. But I think it'd be great to hear Kevin talk about, maybe we take a backwards view, uh, or t- whatever direction you wanna take, Kevin, talk about what it means to have this seamless web of trust, of deserved trust, and how can I as a CEO know that I've arrived at this state?
0: Well, kind of as we mentioned on our last show, it goes back to this feeling of peace of mind in terms of the day-to-day happenings of a business are not, you know, at risk because the CEO is not involved. And they can feel that peace of mind on a kind of consistent basis. And it takes time for that to happen, not only because, especially if you're a founder uh, trying to you know, delegate away activities that you might enjoy or delegate away activities that are crucial and you know they're crucial, but also you know, the people that take them over not uh, living up to billing right, or being confused about what their role is or something like that. So you kind of have to work through those learning curves that every organization has uh, as they kind of transition to kind of a more sophisticated operating model which is really what, what this is, is, is this web of deserved trust is a much more sophisticated model that scales a lot better than having one key person drive every decision. So that, that I think is probably the best way to define what that end state looks like.
1: All right. So I have a lot of questions around what I can do as a CEO to run my business in this state. And I'm going to need to have access to information. I've set out some clear goals for my leadership team that they all understand. And they, they know how much am I dictating uh, to them as far as what they do and what their goals should be? And how much am I letting them come to me with their goals and their aspirations based on what I've set as a vision?
0: There's, there's two real questions, I think, in that. you know In terms of how you want your management team to come to you... In terms of you know the resources they need to to do their job, you want them clamoring for money, right? And, and new ideas, and that way you're not the only one thinking strategically. But you know the harder part of all this is getting everybody on the same page. And a lot of times people think that that is a business intelligence solution, where if you just could show the data, you know that would solve everybody's problem. But that doesn't really communicate a vision. That doesn't really communicate how you're going to get there. And a lot of times, you know, we live in a world where there's an abundance of data, whereas 20 years ago, that wasn't the case. And so what you have to start to do is organize your thoughts around where you want to go and figure out how you communicate that. And that, that's kind of the first step. And it's really no different than a startup. Where a startup, somebody has an idea and, you know, they have to figure out how to communicate it and they spend weeks and months trying to refine that and understand that so that they communicate to customers, they communicate to investors, et cetera. And that's really what organizing is, is understanding where you want to go. Uh, and then with a business that actually has sales, you really want to organize your data to support that narrative, so if you think that you're a regional business that wants to grow nationally, you know, structure your data so that you start to track regional, you know, moving into new regions, start to organize your management structure so that the regions are managed accordingly, start to think about how your production capabilities need to shift, how uh, all these things that go with okay, I'm going to grow incrementally by doing X, like start to say, start to understand all the different levers that have to get pulled in order for it to go. And that'll bring a lot of clarity, right? I mean, organization inherently brings clarity uh, because you start to see, yeah, I I hadn't thought about that or I didn't realize how important that was. And you can start to understand how to manage it. And so that clarity really means diving deeper and saying, hey, these are the things that drive my vision now that I've organized it in this way. So how am I going to go make these key drivers? Whether you know, you've know you got a key competitive advantage that you're trying to leverage, you see a market opportunity that you wanna go capture, that's what the clarity means. And then you're in the execution mode, which is now that you've identified all these things that you have to go do, how do you bring uh, the vision to reality? And it's never something that happens overnight. It happens incrementally, slowly, day by day. And you've got to make sure that you don't lose the forest through the trees, right? That As your great plan is unfolding and invariably is wrong, um, you're adapting, you're understanding uh, what's going on, and you're making those in-flight adjustments while still understanding where you wanted to go. And that's really what execution is about. It's it's being nimble and having the data flow and the management team and the organizational structure to remain nimble as things happen.
1: I see. So it's not so much being able to just get stuff done, which is kind of usually where I go and I'm hearing I'm capable of execution. It's it's the outcome of that that determines whether or not you're executing because it's the, the goal of that um, nimble state is what we want. It's less right. about just getting things done because right. we can all just be busy and produce a bunch of stuff. But if it's not um
0: I mean a, a good example is um you know where we're at with COVID right now. You're your no plan had COVID in it. You know, <laughs> nobody. No one stress tested for it. It just it's total curveball. And if you operated in a way that kept you nimble, you were able to make changes in two or three weeks that ultimately save the business from making bigger and bigger mistakes. Mm -hmm. But it's it's really about how quickly can you turn a ship? And that always happens with budgets because if you control the dollar and how the dollar moves through your business, you control the business. You don't need to be making every decision. So if you go to purchasing and say, stop buying, like sales are gonna start to fall off, you can do that with the budget, right? You go to the purchasing budget and you say, hey, you used to spend X amount a day now you're going to spend Y amount a day. And if you go above it, you have to go get approval. That's part of that organization being organized. It's knowing how the organization works underneath you, not just saying, hey, we should really change this because you know there's this virus and it's going to shut everything down. Yeah. <laughs> Who's on it? That's unacceptable at this point. You've got to know all those things.
1: A few times you brought this up in, in the context of um, you should understand how you're running your business with the budget. And you as a CEO should be able to use this budget as the tool for implementing change or for driving initiatives and so forth. How is that the CEO's role versus the CFO's role?
0: It's the CFO's role to put it together, but ultimately the CEO is responsible for the outcome.
1: Explain, put it together for me.
0: Um. Right, you want really want your CFO to isolate the business drivers, so that the budget is around customers and employees and and kind of those key revenue and cost drivers. Now, with heavy input from the rest of the management team, like your CFO is kind of quarterbacking the whole process, but they're really driving like the detail, you know, because nobody else will at that point, and it really should be their job. And some some will go too far, but. The, you really want a good CFO, my opinion, that not only can identify these drivers and think strategically so that you can run different scenarios you know, around these inputs so that you can explain to the CEO what are the risks. And in some cases, if you've got a good enough one that can start to think strategically about where the business is going, you're having in this conversation with the CEO saying, okay, the CEO says i want to do this the cfo says all right well if you want to do that here are all the things that have to go right kind of like as as we've talked before is you want the cfo to clearly define the button that the ceo gets to push mm-hmm. and that button should be defined in the budget right it shouldn't just yeah. be separate like a separate discussion i mean it's it's always going to be ever present it should
1: be baked into the budget because that's the heartbeat That's the blood supply for the organization. So if it's not integrated into the budget, that's the role of the CFO or head of finance, we should say, because we run into a lot of businesses that don't have a CFO or can't afford a CFO in the context of what we're talking about, one that understands what... um, Yeah, I mean, like,
0: like the way we do budgets is we break them down to those drivers and then budget the drivers and put everything together. I've seen a lot of budgets where they just take the financial statements and figure out what's a variable cost and what's a fixed cost and do it all on one sheet that's not really the level of detail that should be done it's, you should go much deeper and that's not a one time thing either i mean you that's something that all of those inputs should be constantly monitored and analyzed and forecasted so that you're not only aware of what's happened last year and where you planned on going but where you actually think you are going um, that's another key component of being nimble.
1: All right, I'll, get, I'll go back. I'm going to back up a little bit more back to the these states, uh, these phases that one evolves through, right? The state of being organized and then having clarity and then the state of uh, acquiring discipline and uh, capability of executing so that one acquires this nimble state. So those three things, how can I assess where my business is? How do I know where I fit or where I am uh, with my current business?
0: I think you can start from an organization standpoint. You can sit down and try to be honest with yourself and say, can I articulate my vision to yourself, right? In 10 seconds, you can go deeper, obviously into the detail, but if you haven't organized your own thoughts and you're all over the place and you're bouncing around, then your management team is absolutely bouncing around right? The CEO's job, as one of our advisors always says, is all they have to do all day long is say the same thing to everybody. Like That's what you want the CEO to do. Because so much information comes into your managers every day. If you're not repeating the same stuff over and over and over again, people are going to be lost. That's kind of the organization piece. From a clarity standpoint, if you can't list the drivers of your business off the top of your head, you don't know the business as well as you should. You know, and and it's not that hard either. I mean, there's really only a handful of drivers, but as you start to understand operating leverage and financial leverage and uh new product launches and customers, uh, things like that, I mean you just you have to have your head around it. To me, that's clarity. Uh clarity is understanding very deeply those drivers. And a good example would be if you've got a business that has a commodity as an input and that commodity is priced in the market, you want to understand the price of that commodity. So you go have to go understand what's driving the pricing of that commodity. Things like that are really what bring clarity, knowing what you have to understand. And then execution is making sure that you're able to go around to your team and say, what are you responsible for? And then ask them who's, what somebody else is responsible for. And if they can articulate that, then uh, you've done a good job communicating the first two. If they can't, or if it's inconsistent with the first two, then you kind of have to adjust and try to drill it home in a different way. It's that easy.
1: <laughs> it's always easier said than done. I know. No, that's helpful. It makes sense to me that uh, there's, there are certain markers. And usually what, I'm, what, I, what I actually hear is that your people are going to be the indicators of your status here. And whether or not they understand what you want as a CEO, understand where they fit, what their role is, what activities they need to do. If they can't explain it, then you need to think about where you're at. Um, that seems to be the best indicator of um, your current status. In I mean,
0: it's kind of like a sports team, right? The best teams that I've seen, the players on the field know what everybody else is supposed to be doing. And they know what they're supposed to be doing right? Football, basketball, baseball, hockey, same thing. Like they know their role. They know their job. They know if they do their job and stay within their capabilities, as we used to call it. If you try to do more than you're capable of, you're, you're stressing the limits and you're not, you're losing what you're good at. So if you're on a team for a reason, do that job well and understand what everybody else's job is. So you know how your job impacts theirs, but keep moving as a unit forward. And that's kind of, that's Mm -hmm. important. It's imperative to know where you're going and what everybody else is doing in order to do it. You can't treat everybody as though they're in isolation, which is why communication is so important and reporting is so important.
1: Okay. So that'll be the next episode.
0: Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So all, all three people that tuned in to episode three, (laughs) hopefully two of you returned from last episode (laughs) and we really appreciate the new (laughs) listener. Uh, We're on the street is that person's name is Julie. So welcome, Julie.
1: Thanks, Julie.
0: <laughs> but next time, we're going to talk about how you know this planning process, being nimble, understanding your business is going to help you attract partners, capital, deals. Like how it really makes the business sing to third parties, and really can put kind of a jetpack on your business uh, going forward.
1: All right. Thanks for listening. You've uh, just concluded uh, the best 20 minutes of your life with Kevin and Nick on episode three of the Forward Looking Business Podcast. Uh, Thanks for listening and uh, make sure you subscribe to your uh, various podcast app so that uh, we fill your inbox with all of this uh, beautiful content. Uh, We'll uh, catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening. To hear all past episodes and read the episode summaries, which includes any links mentioned in the episode, as well as full show notes, head on over to forwardlookingbusiness.com. There, you'll also be able to schedule a call with our capital director to see how we can help your company meet its capital allocation needs.